In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hey, on today's show, training ourselves not to settle for a good enough retirement. Studies show Americans are not very optimistic about having more than enough in retirement. What they need to understand that could change their outlook. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody. Welcome aboard for the Get Ready for the Future show from the sixth floor of Three Financial Center in Arkansas's capital city, my name is Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. It's an abbreviated edition of the Get Ready for the Future show today. Uh, on our radio side, there is a football game coming up, and their pregame show activity begins very soon. So we are uh, we are cutting it short. So we're going to have to hustle yes. through this show. I didn't mention this in the intro, but coming up after our first break, we've got a great interview uh, with our LPL Financial's Chief Market Strategist, Ryan Dietrich. He's going to join us for uh, talks about the markets and understanding that, which is a key component as we talk about moving from a good enough retirement to a more than enough retirement. What do we need to understand differently to change the trajectory of our retirement? Well, we're going to talk about the investment side of that in the next segment, but we're setting this up by some study material that we have from a company called Natexas. Natexas? I'm not even Natexas, sure. I'm not even sure if I'm yeah. pronouncing that right. But they do an annual uh, study comparing countries all over the world based on uh, basic, basically giving them a well-being, health, quality of life, measuring that, and the responses ranks those countries. And the U.S. didn't come in very high up on that. Uh, rankings number 17 out of 44 and part of that survey was asking them about how they felt about their finances and that's kind of where we want to focus in on because 59 percent of americans said they accept now that they will have to keep working longer due to the impacts of the pandemic 36 percent believe they will never have enough money to be able to retire. And then this one really startling. About 41% said their ability to be financially secure in retirement is going to take a miracle. That's what the report found. So obviously, we're in this whirlwind now of uncertainty following the pandemic. And I think that's brought a lot of these numbers uh, up in terms of how many Americans feel like they're going to be insecure in retirement, John. But certainly this these numbers were too high to begin with even before the pandemic. Yeah, and I, I have to just really call you know bull on some of this thought yep. process because we've seen the markets respond just incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And unless everybody just got stupid with their money, and I don't think they did because we see people's 401k plans and we see their IRAs and things of that nature – I don't think anybody financially really is, I say anybody, let me let me rephrase that, from a retirement standpoint, right. if they've been properly invested and, and didn't go throw it in fixed income and, and only sat there, I think that they're really better off today than they were prior to the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, one year past the low point in the market, you know, the S&P 500 was up over 70%. So yeah. it's not the investment. So I would say, you know, if you're one of the 59% of Americans that said that they accept that they're going to have to keep working longer or, you know, the rest of this list, 36% that believe that they'll never have enough money to that they'll be able to retire, 
based on what? Right. That's your question, because frankly, many, many Americans n- did not have a plan in place prior to COVID, right. and they don't have a plan in place now. So if, if you already didn't know if you were able to retire, I would challenge that for many of you, it is the emotion yes. of the situation of the pandemic that is causing you to feel this way. But feeling is not necessarily fact. So it's important for you to understand where am I on my timeline to retirement and am I on track and if I'm not what can I do to get on track that's how I read these numbers I, yeah. I th- it's not about the math or the actual account balance because right. to your point John if it is still in their 401k and invested similarly the, the way it was before the pandemic the account balance is back and then some to yes. where it was pre-pandemic level but to janet's point this is a survey based on how do you feel about your prospects and i think when the uncertainty of life uh in general is presented in the in the way the covid pandemic has presented it you're just uncertain all around let me ask a question have you ever been at a spot in life where everything was rosy and everything was perfect and you thought man the, the things are just going swimmingly and i i can't screw this up maybe in my 20s i felt like i was but i was oblivious right <laughs> that's <laughs> so right this has to do with age yeah, right yeah, yeah, exactly yes. exactly the point i think you've got to understand what you're trying to accomplish here you're trying to accomplish in retirement a replacement of your paycheck yes that's what you're really trying to do is you're trying to replace a substantial part part or all of your paycheck, depending on what your budget is going to be in retirement. This is why we talk to people about understanding how much money they need in retirement. It's one of the first questions that we ask, and it's one of the most perplexing questions that we get uh, to ask our, our clients, because they kind of look at you and they go, you know, I hadn't really ever thought about that. And and we just haven't counted the cost, Janet. Yeah. That's where it really boils down to. We haven't really figured out, okay, this is where I need to be. And all of that is owed to the fact that that there's a a scant number of people percentage-wise that actually try to figure out what their retirement is going to look like numerically. Yeah, we had the opportunity this week to sit down with a couple in their early 40s and have the conversation about if you were retired today, what would you want your retirement income to look like? What does it need to look like? And what would you want it to look like? So your required income and your desired income. And of course, they had never thought about that before. They're in their early 40s. But frankly, when people come in two months away from retirement, if it's the first time they've sat down with a Gen Wealth advisor, many times at that point is the first time that they've ever really gone, what do I, what do I need to have? Like, I've never thought about it that way. Many times people will have this nebulous target of, I want to make it to the next $100,000 marker, whatever that is. If they've got 560000 they want to make it to 600000 If they're close to a million, they certainly want to make it there. But a million may be way more than you need, or it may not be nearly enough. It is all dependent upon what your income needs are. And we don't want you to settle for a good enough retirement, you've got to know what that target is, and then we can help you get on track and stay on track. So that's our first bullet point. Sorry to interrupt. You know, that's okay. Understand what you're trying to accomplish. And you say it all the time, John, the outcome is income. Yeah, that's that's what your target has got to be. And I think that you've got to to focus in on that. But, but really, Scott, early on, you've got to understand the power of compound interest. Yep. And that is bullet point number two in, mm-hmm. this, in this series, is that you've got to understand the power of what 
compound interest gives you. And time is your friend. I I love it when we get young people in and we teach them about the power of compound interest and the rule of 72 and how that really does benefit you. Because there's lots of shiny objects out there for you to take uh, your money and go spend on. And you're looking for that instant gratification. And admittedly, the power of compound interest takes some time, and it does take time for it, you to be investing. But you can't, can't look at it as you need to get that instant gratification return. You've got to look at it as that you're investing in yourself long term to get the money that you're going to want and need in retirement. And that's where everything begins. And, I, and I'm going to owe some of this dissatisfaction to the lack of education about money, because if you don't know where you're going and you don't understand the game you're playing, how can you possibly be satisfied with whatever outcome that you get? You said time is your friend, and I wrote down here, time is your biggest wealth-building ally. It absolutely is. The more time you have, and the, the numbers bear out that the longer you have for that uh, investment to cook, let's say, mm-hmm. to, to call it that, the better off you're going to be. And I think, too, you have to know how much you need to put back to make that happen, right? It's reverse sure. engineering, getting back to that amount that you need at retirement. And if you think about the environment you're in now where wages are going up, you're making more, but your buying power is being eroded by inflation, right? So it may feel hard to catch up. You've got to create some margin. We talk about that all the time, John. That's right. You've got to have that margin to be able to invest, and then you've got to have the right vehicle and the right timing uh, for that to all work out. So let's run through some statistics. If you save $500 a month at an 8% rate of return, it will take 35 years to get to a million dollars. That's just simple math. We're not talking about any particular investment here. Mm -hmm. We're just using an 8% as a, as a fraction of, of what the market usually uh, does over a long-term period of time. If you back that up and you only save for 30 years, you save the same amount of money, but only save for 30 years, you'll have $700,000. And if you save for 25 years, which is 10 years less, then you're going to have about $450,000. Janet, that is just amazing that you cut 10 years off your savings. And and let's put it this way, starting at at 35 instead of 25, Mm -hmm. or starting at at 30 instead of 20, you cut your retirement actually in half by doing that. Yeah, it it is a tremendous impact. And guys, this is why there's a couple of things that you really need to be paying attention to in your retirement. One of them is maximizing your match on Mm -hmm. your 401k, because I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that most of our listeners did not start their retirement income, you know, as far as their saving for their retirement, didn't start that by age 25. Most people were farther delayed in starting their retirement investments. So that means you You've got some time to make that up, that you've got to get additional money put back. So maximizing the match from your employer is a big, big deal. And then you actually have the opportunity to take advantage of catch-up contributions uh, when you're age 50 and older. And uh, John, you're already an empty nester. Scott and I are on our ways to Partial. being... Yeah, yeah, we're, we're part of the way there. And so I can see when, when both of the kids are out of the house, I, c- I can fully understand and appreciate some catch-up contributions because we are spending it on the kids in the meantime. Yeah, that, that is a big distraction. And 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 frankly, uh, that's why that catch-up provision is yeah. there to enable you to enhance your retirement. You need to be taking advantage of everything that you possibly can because no one's going to do it other than you. And you will have a dissatisfaction with retirement mm. if you get there and you keep being distracted by the shiny objects uh, and throwing your 
money at those things as opposed to investing in yourself and in your retirement for your financial future. All right. So our final two bullet points, uh, don't borrow from your retirement and don't see a job change as a crack in your retirement piggy bank. So let's move to the other end of that spectrum, a 25 and 30 year old who maybe has been putting some money away and has built up a nice little start, a nice little run up to get going. And now they're in their 30s and 40s and they change jobs or they want a new house or they want that vacation. That is where you can really derail things because, you know, I think about this in terms of if you start saving and investing when you're in your 20s and you bought the shares of whatever fund you're in, John, at a certain price, and then you be, you sell them to borrow from your 401k or to withdraw early out of your 401k, you're never going to get those more than likely if it's 15, 10 years down the road at that same share price. You're absolutely right with that, Scott. But also the, the factor that, that comes into play here is you put yourself at tremendous jeopardy. If you lose your job, yeah. you don't have any way of paying that money back through right. the payroll deductions. And all of a sudden, that that uh, loan that you took from your 401k, it comes due. And mm-hmm. and then you've got a problem with that. And so though, there are a lot of things there that, that you, you've touched on in that regard, but you really do want to understand the impact of taking money out of your 401k uh, one way or the other. And also the borrowing of money from your 401k, uh, a bad situation. But then, you know, if you leave a job and you think, well, man, there's $40,000 over there and I got all this debt over here, I'm just going to take that and plunk it over here and pay that. You're going to pay taxes. You're going to pay all these things that that are really going to be a problem. I went through some numbers on this. If we're talking, if we're assuming an 8% rate of return that we were talking about earlier, not any particular investment. But if we're talking about a 25-year-old who withdraws $20,000 from their 401k, so from to go from 25 to age 34, nine years later, 43, 52, and 61. So we've got those four doubling periods, if you will. So it's going to double every nine years at an 8% rate of return. So that $20,000 withdrawn at age 25 is $320,000 of an impact on your retirement at age 60. One, so it's and by the way, you're not coming home with all of that twenty. You're coming home with part of it because of taxes and penalties. Well, listen, we've talked about it all the time on this show. Without a plan, the future just happens to you, and I think that's what people feel like at the back end of this pandemic. I can feel them answering these questions that retirement seems so far off. It's because they feel like the future's happening to them. Right. They don't have a plan. They're not being proactive, and that is the first step. Uh, in getting to the retirement that you want rather than settling for good enough. And we wrote a blog about your options, by the way. If you see a jobs change as a crack in your retirement piggy bank, know your options. You can check that out uh, and click the link in the comments and show notes if you're watching online. We'll be right back. Never settle for a good enough retirement. That is the subject of today's Get Ready for the Future show. And one of our points now as we get into this segment is maintain the mind of an investor committed to equities in a long-term time horizon. Well, you have to have your finger on the pulse of what's going on when it comes to the economy and the markets, and we are doing that on a monthly basis here on the Get Ready for the Future show with Ryan Dietrich. Ryan is the Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial, kind enough to join us again 
for today's show and this segment. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Scott. It's crazy. You said a month. Like, it really was a month ago. It feels yeah. like yesterday we got to do this. I'm not, I mean, believe me, this is fun to do it. It just, time is, where's the, where's the year gone? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It absolutely <laughs> does fly by. There's no question. I think we were talking Halloween and maybe even got into a little bit of talking turkey in our last, uh, yeah. in our last uh, get together. But yeah, Thanksgiving around the corner next week uh and hard to believe that it is here for sure and the markets have been on a run we'll get into that but as we dive in today let's kind of catch up because one thing that has happened since the last time we spoke to you is that congress is moving through this new infrastructure bill Uh, president biden's uh plan has certainly been pared down hard to say one trillion dollar package is paring it down but it is still massive but as you look through this and your team kind of inspects it uh, do you see some investment opportunities popping up as a result of all that money that'll be flowing through uh, pretty soon? Yeah, you know, Scott, we do, right? I mean, you know, the hard infrastructure, things like roads and bridges and the water and those things. I mean, you know, we've liked to come with you guys for a while, saying so we like kind of the reopening play, the cyclical value, your industrials, your materials, financials. Well, industrials, materials for all the trillion, you know, over trillion dollars, give or take, the next ten years. Um, that's a lot of spending. That is a, that is a strength. Last week, right, as it, as it became very clear, President Biden's going to sign uh, this bill. Uh, materials had a really big week. Material stocks have gone like nowhere for eight months. We all know the. S&P's up a ton, NASDAQ's up a ton. We get that. But if you look at like industrials or materials, Scott, they're just now starting to break out. So those are some groups that I've said all year we liked at LPL Research. There's little change with um, with, with this big infrastructure bill that's, that's coming through that we think that's still an area investors should be looking to in their portfolios. So let's get into the uh, topics at hand, the hot button words that are out there that are still out there. We've been talking about them for months, but when we get into the supply chain talk, I mean, that's 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 certainly dominated a lot of, of topics of discussion. Our clients talk about it. You know, when you think about uh, you go past a new car lot and there aren't many new cars on that lot still, yeah. right? They They're hanging around maybe even grown since the start of the pandemic anyway. And many people are forecasting significant shortages as we enter the Christmas shopping season. I've heard a lot of alarmist uh, talk around that. What What are the implications for investors due to this bottleneck? Well, great point. There's two different ways to look at it, right? There's a consumer if you're trying to buy your family some holiday gifts, you can't find them. That's a problem. But from an investment point of view, you know, we're yes, we're transitory, right? I we're transitory. We've been kicking around for six, eight months or so. It does look like inflation is transitory. It does look like inflation sticking around longer than everyone thought. But again, look at this earnings season, Scott, that's going on. Companies like Toyota and Ford and Nike, they're all saying, listen, the supply chain concerns and issues are terrible. They're still there. But we think we're through the worst of it. GXO is one of the largest logistic companies in the world. Their CFO said the same thing. They said, hey, it's not great, but things are getting better. We see light at the end of the tunnel. So again, from an investments point of view, the stock market is willing to look through the, you know, uh, potentially higher prices are going to pay. and have to, I think I made a joke with you last time. I had to wait nine weeks for my hot tub cover, right? <laughs> I mean, that's just the real world, first world problems. I get it. The real world problems that we're all dealing with. But again, we're getting closer to the other side, especially with a corporate America just had to say during this really good third quarter earnings season. So you mentioned inflation there. Let's kind of dive into that a little bit more. You know, the supply chain obviously blamed in part, at least for that spike in inflation. And the big debate still is really whether it's a a transitory event or whether it's hanging around. I love I think I saw Bert White uh, 
on Twitter, uh, was it a couple of days ago, he actually put a poll out of, of what, what is the definition, what would you consider the length of time to still be transitory, whether it's a few weeks or a few months, a quarter, or maybe even a year. So, I mean, you can debate the, what that meaning is, but I, I know that sticky is the word that, that's coming out from LPL literature these days. So tell us about your latest uh, take on it, where we are with inflation. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest here, Scott. You know, we thought transitory, like a lot of other people, this time, you know, start of the year, maybe meant three to six months, right? Now we're realizing, you know, Bostic, he's one of the Fed governors, by the way. Um, they, they really have like a swear jar. And it's not when you use a curse word. It's when you use the word transitory. This is inside the Fed. It's kind of a joke, I guess. But, you know, they have to put money when they use the word transitory because even they're saying, listen, that probably wasn't the best word to use looking back. These higher prices are here, right? And we're going to have 6% GDP growth this year, 4% likely GDP growth next year. I mean, we're looking at 4 5% uh, inflation this year. Probably next year it does start to come down a little bit with the uh, economic growth coming down. But again, the truth is these supply chain and bottlenecks as the economy comes back, that's just the the, the world that we're um, we're unfortunately living in, um, and it's just kind of how we see it. And now you, but again, everyone everyone wants six percent GDP growth with one percent inflation. <laughs> the sad truth is, well, you probably have to pay a little bit with the higher prices. But again, what is the consumer doing, right? I mean, we got a lot of big names reporting earnings this week on the retail side of things. But retail sales have still been strong. The consumer is still spending money. And they've got a couple trillion, with a T, trillion dollars in savings and money markets. So things aren't perfect on the economic point of view. But the consumer is still in really good shape. And they can they can pay a little bit more. I don't want to pay a lot more, but they can continue to pay a little bit more as we work through these problems. Just a little bit of a follow-up there. When you think about what are the concerns in your individual, your personal economy, if inflation is higher than normal, uh, you think about, well, you need to make more money to have the same purchasing power. When you look at wage growth, is that going to be able to keep up? I mean, that's really, to me, I guess, where I would be concerned about what inflation, what kind of impact inflation is going to have on the on the individual. Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. I mean, you, know, you look at it, I, I saw like a record number of people just quit their jobs last month, yep. right? And you think, well, is that good or bad? I mean, what is that? Well, we say it might be good because people realize you're not going to quit your job just to quit your job. You're quitting it because you can make some more money, you know, over there across the street or so. We were just kind of kicking around before we went live here. The idea LPL has been hiring like mad, um, but it's a tough situation because a lot of people say, hey, you know, I want to work from home a couple of days a week. You know, I want to come into the office so much. There's some give and take that corporations have to have. Um, but it's a great point that wage wage growth has been improving. You know where wage growth has been improving the most? Lower income people. I mean, let's be honest. They've been kind of the ones that have been shortchanged the last couple decades. So to see some significant jumps in wage growth for lower income, lower decile, hey, we think that's only a good thing for the overall economy and just to help you know everybody out there. Um, that, that's a positive thing. But clearly, we're watching it extremely closely. Every month we get new data pieces. And this inflation, it is staying stubbornly higher than what we thought and probably a lot of other people thought this time nine months ago. Yeah, workers certainly seem to have leverage, uh, unlike they've mm-hmm. had uh, before the pandemic. All right, so you mentioned the right. Fed a few minutes ago and their, and their swear jar or their uh, transitory word jar. <laughs> what about this tapering program? They announced uh, that a, a week or so ago. What impact is that going to have on inflation? Can it can it really help? Yeah, we'd say probably not. I mean, the supply chain issues are really where the inflation's coming from. I mean, we've, I've come on with you guys for a while talking about this whole tapering, right? The Fed was buying $120 billion with the bonds every single month. And now they say we're going to start buying less. Every single month, they're going to start buying less. We look at it like this. This is getting back to normal. I mean, do you really need, with an economy humming, strong earnings, stocks at all-time highs, the Fed to be buying like we're in the middle of a pandemic? 
buying bonds in the middle of the pandemic? Probably not. So we're optimistic. This is kind of getting more back to a little more normal here. And uh, that's a good thing. And the Fed, the Fed, it is what it is. I know a lot of people don't like what the Fed's doing. Some people do. Wherever you sit, the truth is the Fed is still telling us rates are going to stay low for a while. I know with the higher inflation, there's talk, maybe they hike rates um, the middle of next year, middle of 2020. To, we don't think that's the case. I think it's still more late 2022 at this time. But the Fed is still a tailwind. They're still going to keep rates low and they're still going to continue to probably help risk assets. So as a steward of risk assets, we're not going to ignore that. It likely is still a tailwind for this bull market, one of the tailwinds out there. We're talking with Ryan Dietrich. He's the chief market strategist with LPL Financial. And we got a about three minutes, three and a half minutes left in this segment, Ryan. So a couple more questions here. Well, let's talk about commodities. We don't often talk a lot yeah. about that with you. Uh, it's been on, they've been on a strong run of late, and specifically, uh, gold has caught the attention of your team at LPL Research. What what are the factors that are causing gold to be on your radar? Yeah, well, first off, it's finally going up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, looking from last year ago when the market really went nuts after the election, when we had the Pfizer news with the vaccine, that's when everything started going straight up, right? The market, equity markets and economy. Gold's been one of the worst possible investments you could have had the last year. All of a sudden, gold's breaking out the five-month highs. We see the inflation concerns that are out there. It's interesting because U.S. dollar's been strong. I don't want to get too geeky for this interview, but historically, when the dollar's strong, gold tends to be weak. We're not seeing that. We're seeing the dollar strong and gold strong. That's maybe another signal that this up we're moving gold, it might have some lasting power. Now, we're still more neutral gold here. We like the industrial metals, your copper, your nickel, your zinc, the stuff that you use when the economy is growing. We still like that world more than precious metals. But for the first time in a long time, gold is starting to pop its head up, and we think it might have a little more momentum to the uh, to the upside. All right. So as we kind of look to wrap this up, let's kind of get into the stock market and all these things we've been talking about, right? Supply chain issues, inflationary uh, pressures. We talked about that infrastructure bill. You know, and there's still obviously concern over over the the U.S. national debt, right? And we just added oh, yeah. to it with a with a trillion dollar package. Let's talk about the outlook for equities. You know, it's obviously the last part of the third quarter is quite rocky. Your your team at LPL Research put out that November is historically one of the best months of the year, if not the best in in the short uh, term history, and it has been pretty good. We had a little pullback last. Uh, last week, but we've got Santa Claus rally time coming, right? And then you got 2022. Give us kind of your outlook on equities. Yeah, we still like equities for the remainder of this year, Scott, up 25% for the year, maybe a little break. But think about this, when the S&P is up at least 20% for the year, heading into the seasonally bullish November and December timeframe, like we were this year, higher eight out of eight times. The rest of the year has never been lower. Just think of that. But the other one that got me was um, when you look at previous years, when the S&P is up at least 20%, which we've got a very good shot of being up at least 20% this year, the next year, okay, it's back to World War II, has been higher nine out of the last 10 times when the S&P 500 gains at least 20%, higher nine out of the last 10 times. So it's kind of one of those, it is what it is. There's lots of other factors out there, but remember what Mark Twain told us, history doesn't often repeat itself, but it rhymes. If history rhymes, we could have another strong uh, year next year. And that is honestly our case. Well, why don't come with you soon enough? Talk about our outlook. Little disclosure here. We still think this bull market's alive and well. And I do want to point out to you, I've been following your uh, Arkansas Razorbacks and following you on Twitter. Congratulations <laughs> on a couple of big wins there. I love watching you uh, toot your horn a little bit. That's oh, great. that has been fun to watch. I appreciate you bringing that up because it puts a smile on my face that we beat LSU over the weekend and are bowl eligible. So that's big time. Hey, as we wrap things up, give us a real quick, uh, as you mentioned Twitter, where, where can people get a little bit more content from LPL Research? Yeah, thank you. So at Ryan Dietrich, R-Y-A-N-D-E-T-R-I-C-K, all one word, lplresearch.com is our blog. And we have a YouTube channel, LPL Research on YouTube. You can find it with a quick Google search. Lots of information on those uh, three different sites there. 
All right, Ryan, as always, we appreciate you joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show. Hope you have a great rest of your day. See you in about a month. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be right back. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, this week's broadcast is an abbreviated version of the Get Ready for the Future show, and we are out of time this week. A reminder before we go, if you'd like to schedule some time with a Genwell Financial Advisor, you can call us at 866-653-PLAN. That's 866-653-7526, or email us at info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you and talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.